Hello, you guys, and welcome back to That's Insane, a podcast where I talk about murder, medicine, and maybe more, but most definitely more because there's a lot of weird shit out there. My name is Aurelia, and I am your host. Today, we have a true crime story. Uh, I have covered this case before on my TikTok, but I wanted to do a revamped version and, of course, a more in-depth version because it deserves to be told. Just a trigger warning for this case, it does involve a child as well as sexual assault. So if those are things that trigger you, probably not the episode for you. Um... I don't really think I have much to talk about. I don't think there's anything like exciting going on. At least I'm trying to think of what what won't be like super old news by the time that this is posted. Anyway, let's just get into it. So my sources today are from Wikipedia, All That's Interesting, The Crime Wire, Uncovered, which was a really cool um, website that I'd never seen before. Cold Case Explorations, and then psu.edu. Today's case is the case of Amber Hagerman, a.k.a. the inspiration for the Amber Alert. On January 13, 1996, nine-year-old Amber Hagerman was riding her new pink bike near her grandma's house in a Winn-Dixie parking lot in Arlington, Texas. Her mother told her not to go past the block, but she and her brother didn't listen and went a little further to the parking lot uh, to ride around. If you look at the map, it's probably like three or four blocks away. It's like not crazy far. Her younger brother, Ricky, had left her to stay in the parking lot because he wanted to go home, but she wanted to continue riding around. Eight minutes after her brother left, Amber was grabbed and abducted by a man in a truck. A neighbor, 78-year-old Jim Kevill, witnessed the kidnapping through his chain link fence and could hear Amber screaming for help. He said the man pulled up, jumped out, and grabbed her. The neighbor ran home to call police, and he said that he saw a black either 1980s or 1990s pickup truck model with a short wheelbase, a single cab, and a clear rear window, which is a really good description. He said the suspect appeared to be white or Hispanic, shorter than six feet, medium build, black or brown hair, and was in his 20s or 30s. So Amber was born on November 25th, 1986 in Arlington, Texas. She had a younger brother, Ricky, who is four years younger than her, and her parents are Donna Williams and Richard Hagerman. Her classmates and friends described her as nice and pretty. She liked playing with Barbies and riding on her bicycle. She loved being a big sister And then, of course, I unfortunately couldn't find anything else about her childhood or upbringing, which always makes me really sad because I want to give them, you know, more of their story to be told and not just like their murder. But of course, you know, I'm sure it's hard. And this happened in the 90s. So anyway. So when Ricky came back home, his mother and grandmother asked where Amber was. When he told them, they sent Ricky back to bring Amber back as well. But when Ricky got there and saw her pink bike in the parking lot and no Amber, he rushed home. His grandpa, Jimmy, then got in his car and rushed to the store where police had already arrived minutes after that neighbor called. Of course, the kidnapping immediately made front page news, and the police and the FBI did their best investigating, uh, apparently only taking breaks from the search to take quick naps, 
but there was really little to go on at the crime scene. It was just a parking lot. They searched parks, wooded areas, nearby lakes, and even went door-to-door in the immediate area around the parking lot asking if anyone had seen anything. Donna was seen on TV pleading with the abductor to let Amber free, but sadly, four days after her abduction on January 17th, a man walking his dog found Amber's body in a local creek behind an apartment complex just four miles away. She was almost completely naked other than a sock on her left foot. Her body was covered in bruises and blood, and her throat had been slit. Of course, since her body was found in the creek, there was very little forensic evidence to collect as the water had washed most of it away. The autopsy stated that she had died from slicing injuries to her neck, and authorities think, based on the autopsy report, that she was kept alive for two days after her abduction. Maintenance workers for the apartment complex stated that they had been near the creek earlier in the day and her body had not been there. So authorities think that she hadn't been placed there originally, but instead, um, like the recent heavy rain had carried her body to that area. So like they think that she was dumped further up the creek and with all these heavy rains it like washed her um, down a little bit. I also read that she was like found right in front of one of those I don't know, is it like a sewer? It's not like a sewer thing, but like the water pumps, like those big round things that the water rushes out of. And she was like found like lodged by that, which is also why it was hard to get any forensic evidence off of her because there was like even more force, like wiping everything away with the water. So the FBI were brought in, but they left in March 1996 after establishing a task force a task force and they were unable to uncover any other useful information. Amber's father actually called Mark Class, whose daughter Polly Class was kidnapped and murdered in Petaluma, California in 1993. There was also a laundromat next to the Winn-Dixie, so police believed other witnesses um, or believed others had witnessed the abduction but didn't want to come forward with information possibly because of the fear for deportation. A few weeks after the incident, police shared some theories that may have caused someone to abduct Amber. They believed something they believed something triggered the person to abduct Amber and that it wasn't oops, sorry, my dog is trying to get comfortable. They believed something either triggered the person to abduct Amber and that it wasn't something planned in advance, maybe a fight with a partner, just lost his job, or some other psychological push. Personally, I think fuck that. Tons of people lose their jobs or argue with their significant other and don't go out and abduct and murder fucking kids. Like, you know, you know, I just, but you know who especially doesn't do that? You know who especially doesn't get in a fight with a partner and then go out and abduct and kill a kid? Women. Anyway, on January 20th, 1996 at 10am, Amber Hagerman was laid to rest at Moore Memorial Gardens Cemetery. Police continued to look into numerous suspects, but nothing ever panned out. Sadly, like I said, investigators had very little to go on. However, Diane Simon, Simon, Diane Simone, Diane Simon, that's what I'm going to go with, was watching a newsreel about Amber's kidnapping and murder, where a home video of Amber on Christmas holding up her new Barbie doll and riding her new bike Of course, Diane wanted to help search for Amber before her body was discovered, but didn't know what to look for, even though there was a description of the suspect and the vehicle obtained by police. So what did this woman do? So she called a Dallas-Fort Worth radio station with an idea. 
We have alerts for weather and civil defense. Why not for abducted children? So remember, there is no Amber Alert at this time. There is no way to get that description out other than uh, than to other police in the area. So um, she referred to the idea as Amber's plan, which eventually caught wind, and the Dallas-Fort Worth law enforcement and local broadcasters began to alert people of abducted children. Within days of Amber's death, Donna was calling for tougher laws governing kidnappers and sex offenders. Because, again, remember that this is the 90s, and they were, like, just finally starting to give a shit about kids. (laughs) Um, Because up until this, there was really nothing to do to like they, they like predators and pedophiles and stuff was still like a new concept i feel like they had just come out of the satanic panic in the 80s and this is kind of when a lot of those like really big child kidnapping and murder stories and stuff were taking place and people were just kind of now realizing that those things existed you know what i mean i was literally I was literally an infant when this was happening, so this is not from personal experience. This is just from my own, like, knowledge of true crime. So Amber's parents soon established the People Against Sex Offenders and collected signatures hoping to force Texas legislature to pass more stringent laws to protect children. God's Place International Church donated the first office space for PESO, and the organization received daily coverage in local media. Other companies donated various... Uh, office supplies and then congressman martin frost with the help of mark class sorry my dog again hey why don't you just lay down please thank you stop that because she insisted on laying like right by the mic and i can't disturb her because she's so cute i hope you can't hear her licking her paw i'm trying to get her to stop okay so congressman martin frost with the help of mark class drafted the amber hagerman protection act and both of Amber's parents were present, uh, were present when President Bill Clinton signed the bill into law, creating the first ever National Sex Offender Registry. In 1996, Bruce Siebert, the father of Amber's friend, and Richard Hagerman went to a media symposium in Arlington. In Siebert's speech, he talked about the efforts local police could quickly take to help find missing children and how the media could assist in those efforts. C.J. Wheeler, a reporter, approached the Dallas police chief with this idea and launched the first ever Amber Alert. Um, After abduction alerts having been made manually over radio stations, uh, okay, so after years of abduction alerts being manually made over radio stations, in 1998, the Child Alert Foundation created the first fully automated alert notification system to notify surrounding communities when a child is reported missing or abducted, and thus the official America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, a.k.a. Amber Alert, was created. The alerts would be sent to radio stations as originally done, but they also would go to television stations, surrounding law enforcement agencies, newspapers, and other local organizations. The announcements would go out via pages, fax, email, and cell phones with the information posted on the internet for the public to view as well. In 2002, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children expanded its role to promote the Amber Alert, which is also the same time the Federal Communications Commission officially endorsed the system. Per California Senator Dianne Feinstein, who, if you don't know who she is, she's literally the, I think she's the oldest serving member of Congress, and um, what, what was it? I think like last week there was a news story that she 
her, like, she gave power of attorney to her children or something like that. So she literally can't make her own medical decisions anymore, but she can still make um, medical decisions or make law decisions for the country. Anyway, that's not what this is about. So Diane Feinstein, in the first month that California implemented the Amber Alerts, 13 alerts were created and 12 children were recovered safely. Uh, the last alert was actually found to be a misunderstanding. So it had a 100% success rate in, in its first month. By September 2002, 26 states had established Amber Alerts covering all parts of the state. In October 2002, George W. Bush announced changes to the Amber Alert system, including the development of a national standard for issuing Amber Alerts. Uh, a similar bill passed in the House several weeks later with a 390 to 24 vote. I just want to know who the fuck the 24 people were who voted no to this. Like, it was just to, like, have a set, um, like, way that the alerts are issued. Like, what? I, okay. I can take a guess, but anyway. On April 30th, 2003, George W. Bush signed the PROTECT Act into federal law, which establishes a framework for local authorities, this says arthritis, in the event of a child abduction. By November 2002, the alerts were being offered digitally when America Online offered a service to allow people to sign up to receive the notifications on a computer or pager or cell phone. And finally, by 2005, all 50 states had operational programs. So this wasn't like an overnight thing. This was like years in the making, and it just started with one state, then two, then three, before it was finally like a national standard. Amber Alerts, uh, so since its creation, the system has saved over 1,000 children. Dahlia. Okay, she's finally going to go lay somewhere else. Since its creation, the system has saved over 1,000 children since its launch in 1996. Per the U.S. Department of Justice, the children, um, uh, sorry, of the children abducted and murdered by strangers, 75% are killed within the first three hours. Amber Alerts are designed to inform the public quickly when a child has been kidnapped, obviously to combat this limited time. While Amber's case has helped save thousands of children over the last 25 years, her case remains unsolved. In 2021, investigators disclosed that they have DNA evidence that might belong to Amber's killer, and hopefully, with evidence like that or a new tip, police could finally solve her case. But so far, as of 2023, police have not released any more information regarding the DNA testing. Amber's mother, Donna, says the alert system named in her daughter's honor is bittersweet in an interview in 2016, she said, There's another part of me that wonders what would have happened if we had the alert when Amber went missing. Could it have helped bring her back to me? If you have any information about the kidnapping and murder of Amber Hagerman, please call Arlington, Texas Police at 817-575-8823, or you can call Crime Stoppers of Tarrant County at 817-469-8477, uh, if you were wish, wish to remain anonymous. And that is the bittersweet and horrible case of Amber Hagerman, the inspiration for Amber Alerts. I think that it's a fascinating, fascinating case. I think it is amazing what just a couple people can do that uh, Diane Simon, Simon calling in and being like, hey, what the hell? Why don't we have it for children 
um, and then what what is just what it's led to and how many kids it's saved. I mean, think of, I don't know, like, I guess if you just sit there and think about all the kids that were saved because of Amber, Amber Alerts and what would have happened, like, if it had... It's just, yeah, it's like the mom said, it's bittersweet. Like, it sucks so much that that had to happen to Amber for this to take to take effect and, and save other people. But her story definitely deserves to be told. So, yeah, that's all I got for you this week. Um, I hope that you guys keep listening. If you have any true crime cases or crazy medical cases or just weird shit in general that you want me to look into... Um, or if you have any like weird cases or anything weird that like I guess you've experienced or like true crime stuff that like you know about or weird happenings, I don't know, then send an email to that in that's insane podcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram on that's underscore insane underscore podcast. Um, I do not have a TikTok anymore, but you can follow Aurelia May Makeup where I will also be posting the videos uh, regarding these cases the little one minute videos. And then I'm also on Facebook at that's insane podcast. Um, I think it's podcast. I'm sure it'll pop up, but yeah, until next time. Bye.